Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Inquisitive Introvert Podcast. I am joined today by Meg, and Meg is the mother of three adopted children. Meg, I honestly just wanted to talk to you to sort of get your story of adoption and what made you and your husband choose to adopt three children. What made you guys come to that conclusion of wanting to adopt a child? We're both from pretty big families, and my dad, even after he had us five children, he talked about wanting to adopt, and my mom would sort of just shake her head. <laughs> she already had her hands full. So I think that really planted the seed for me. But the way we arrived at adoption was after nine years of infertility treatments, we just weren't able to conceive, and this was the natural step. Sure. So when you first, like I mentioned before, you are the mother of three adopted children. So you adopted your first two children at birth. Is that correct? Yes, although they kind of came out of order because we adopted our oldest at birth, and then we were matched with a little boy in Russia who we went to meet. But in the meantime, we came home from Russia while they were doing finishing all the paperwork. And during that time, we found out about a little girl in Kentucky. And so we actually got her first. And then she was five months old when we went back to Russia to bring home our middle child. So they're kind of, they came to us out of order, but yeah. So for your child that you adopted at 22 months, being that that child was a little bit older, how was that sort of bonding process? Was it different than having a child that you met at birth or what was that like? It was different. I think any child that's been in an institution has certain fears. For him, I think the faces changed so often in terms of the caregivers at the orphanage that he was sort of afraid to fall in love, I guess you mm. could say. And so it took him a good three to five months to actually relax in my arms and sort of mold to my body when I held him. Whereas the other children, I think, because I was their mama right from the hospital, they just molded to me from the get-go. <laughs> and Mike, if you don't mind me asking, do you and your husband, do you guys have that conversation with your children now that they're a little bit older that... They are adopted, and how difficult is that conversation, if at all? They've known since they were little babies in my arms in the rocking chair, and I would just say I am so blessed that God sent you to me and thought that I would be good as your mama, and that's just always been part of our conversation, that from the time they can ever remember, they know that they grew in another lady's tummy and that God thought it would be a good idea if Daddy and I were your parents. That's always how we talk to them. Absolutely. For parents that want to go through the adoption process, and I'm completely ignorant of the process, what is the process like and how do they go about vetting adoption agencies that you know are legit and how does all that stuff work? Well, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> It's a pretty difficult process. It's also, I think what a lot of people don't know is it's a very expensive process. And it shouldn't be because there's so many children that need homes. And that's one of the things that kind of bothers me about it. 
But our first adoption was an agency adoption, and the way they do it is they take a certain percentage of your combined income. And so for our first adoption, it was probably between $25,000 and $30,000. And then for our Russian adoption, it was $42,000. And for our adoption from Kentucky, that was actually, we had to hire a lawyer for our side and then the birth mother had to hire a lawyer on her side and that was our only cost for that. And so that was much less expensive. And then I think many people don't realize there is an adoption tax credit, which I think is about $15,000. That used to be maybe 12, it might be up to 15, something like that, or maybe more because it's been a while. And so that helps offset the cost. But it always kind of breaks my heart that particularly all those little Russian babies, uh, they were just beautiful. There were 150 babies up to age two in our son's orphanage in the baby house. And people just can't afford $42,000. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That breaks my heart for those children that it's so difficult, at least internationally. It's very, very expensive and could be cost prohibitive. And Meg, again, excuse me if I'm just being educated on the process. So what is the match process like? Do they just take an inventory of your personalities and where you live? And how do they go about pairing you with the right child? It's funny. Our son from Russia, we had adopted our first son and we were waiting for over two and a half years. We would get chosen by a birth mother through the same adoption agency, and then we would bond with her for three or four months, and then once the baby was born, she would change her mind and decide to keep the child, and I can't blame her. That's such a hard decision, but for us to have that happen three or four times, it was really heartbreaking, and so the adoption agency actually suggested if you consider international adoption, you are at least you know that you will have a baby at the end of it, and it could be six months to a year, but it will happen. And most likely, there's nobody on the other end to change their mind. And so that's when we, I Googled Russian adoption, and I found an 800 number that I called, and I just sort of bonded with the woman on the other end of the phone, and that was how we found our middle son. She ended up matching me with him actually during that phone call. And it's kind of funny. She said, what are you hoping for? And I said, well, because we had already adopted a son, I said, I'm hoping for a girl and I'm hoping <laughs> for close to an infant as we can get. And I went through all my wishes and about a half hour into the conversation, she says, Meg, I've heard everything that you've told me, but a folder just came across my desk for a little boy who is as cute as a button. She said he's 15 months old. He is ready for a family. There's no weight with him. Do you want me to send you his photo and his medical information? And I said, okay, well, sure. And she sent the photo. And the minute we saw that picture, we said, oh my gosh, he looks looks just like our first son. So we said, okay, how soon can we go? (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. 
How did your family react to you adopting three children? I know that you mentioned that your parents went through the process. So how, or planted that seed rather, what did they think of all this stuff? They were scared. I think that everybody, I have four older brothers and they were all having conversations with me about what if the birth parents were to come back and want to take the child back. And I think that's everyone's big fear because unfortunately, those are the stories that make the news. But the other however million adoptions that are wonderful don't make the news. So people are afraid of it. They're afraid because the stories they see on the news are of someone who's had a child for a year and somehow through a loophole, the birth father is able to come and take that child or birth mother or something like that. And so I just had to choose fear or faith and Mm -hmm. I just chose faith. I am a real faithful person. I have a great faith in God that he has a plan for me. And so that served me very well that I was able to pray a lot about it and just give it to God, if you will. Wow, that's very brave. One of my questions were, do you ever worry or perhaps are fearful that your children would be overly curious to figure out who their birth parents were and kind of not leave you and your family, obviously, but just sort of have that yearning for their birth parents. Sure. Well, that's the beauty of open adoption. And I guess I hadn't mentioned yet, but most adoptions these days are open and ours are very open, except, of course, the Russian adoption. We only know his birth mother's name and the address where she lived when she had him. But other than that, we don't know anything about the birth father or any more information. But with our U.S. adoptions, they're very open, and we happen to love our birth parents. I always just call them our birth parents because (laughs) there's four other people in our life and in our family, really, which is our two U.S. adopted, the two birth mothers and the two birth fathers. And we all keep in touch, and they come here for birthday parties, and they come to our oldest boys' football games. And the the birth great-grandma just had us out to her house for a birthday party for our oldest 17th birthday. They're within about an hour. I think I mentioned our firstborn is from Chicago. And so We're close enough that they can come here and we can go there. And, of course, with the magic of Facebook um, and (laughs) FaceTiming and instant messaging, our oldest is messaging with his birth mother all the time, and I'm messaging with her all the time. And then our youngest, her birth mother lives in Florida now, and she messages me. We probably message back and forth at least every other day about Silly things, just like friends. Wow. Send me a video of the new that her duck just had ducklings and, you know, (laughs) video of of our kids doing whatever. So it's really like a friendship. And the way my oldest boy described his birth mother, she said she's like a super cool aunt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty cool. And Meg, if you don't mind me asking, do the birth parents ever explain why they decided to give their child up for adoption? Do you guys have those conversations? Sure, yeah. They were, all of our children's birth parents were 17, Mm -hmm. and they just weren't ready to be parents yet. And they made what I think is 
such a brave decision. I don't know that I would have ever been able to do it, but to carry that child for nine months and take care of themselves and take care of the baby and to place that child with a family that was ready and financially able at that point to do all the things that a baby needs. I mentioned I talked to my kids since they were little, and when they were toddlers and up to four, five, six years old, I would say, you grew in Anna's tummy like a little, I said, you bloomed like a flower, and (laughs) she took such good care of you, and she ate good foods, and (laughs) I do, I tell them all that because she loved you so much, I said, and then they chose us for you. They looked through a big book with pictures of 300 different families who were waiting to adopt, and they chose us. And so they really did a very brave thing for you to have a better life than they could give you at the time. Wow, that's awesome. I feel like we don't hear a lot of those stories, and that was part of the reason why I wanted to do this particular episode is because I, you hear about adoption, but you really don't hear about it. Like you mentioned before, you hear about all the horror stories of people wanting to come back and claim yeah. be back in their child's life. So I kind of wanted to set some light that there is positive adoption stories and there are brave people like you and parents that decide to give up their child for adoption and really doing something that's helpful and healthy, more importantly. I think there's a lot of stories like mine, and although I know we've been particularly lucky, I think there's a lot of other just wonderful adoption stories out there, too, very much like ours. But as you said, just don't hear them very much. I think also, I love that you're asking me everything because I think a lot of people are afraid to ask certain questions. Like for me, I'm just so open about it. And I tell like my older (laughs) boys, 13 and 17 year old boys are like, mom, do you have to tell the waitress about it? (laughs) I'm like, I'm proud. I tell them I'm so proud of you guys. And no, I like to talk about it. Oh, we, I definitely appreciate it. And I know that people tuning in will definitely appreciate this too. Like I said, you educated me and other people on the adoption process and you made it to the point where it's not scary. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of people are scared of talking about this stuff. And my last and final question, Meg, what advice would you give to parents that want to give their child up for adoption? And what advice would you give to people that are looking to adopt? I would say for a woman who finds herself with an unplanned pregnancy, just to not be scared, but because there are so many good people out there that want to have a child and can't, you'd be doing a beautiful thing. And I would consider it a good deed to the world to give that child a chance at life. There's so many great agencies. The one closest to us here in Evanston is called The Cradle, and they have an 800 number, and they've got really caring counselors. And if they were to call that number and just speak to someone, they're not going to try to sway you either way. They're smart enough to know it has to be the birth mother's decision or the birth parent's. But I would say don't be scared and just call and talk to a counselor and see what your options are because you have to be realistic. Like one of my favorite shows is Teen Mom. Yes. <laughs> I love, love <laughs> watching that show. And I love it because <laughs> I think it was Caitlin and Tyler were the ones that placed their baby for adoption. And, of yeah. course, that's not an easy choice. 
but you can see that the other ones that kept their babies, that wasn't an easy choice either. And it turns out to be kind of a hard life for them and the child. And you often see like this new show, Unexpected, where it's so many generations in a row, like the girl had her baby at 16 and her mother had her when she was 16 and the grandma had the mother when she was 16. Like, it just kind of perpetuates, and maybe by sort of breaking that cycle, as I said, that might be a really good thing. I think for someone considering adopting, it can look very scary, and there's a million steps you have to go through. You asked about how is someone vetted. Well, you have to be fingerprinted and have a background check, and they need to be able to prove that you're not an ex-murderer before they're going <laughs> to, you know, they come and they inspect your home. And it doesn't mean you have to be a perfect, you know, have a perfect home. You don't even have to have a wonderful home. You just have to have a room. There's certain rules. The child has to have their own room. There has to be a window with a certain egress for escape. I mean, there's all these really specific things that they're looking for, but you don't have to be perfect. To be a perfect parent and you don't have to have a perfect house either. You just have to have the guts to, I always just say baby steps, just the first step is going to an adoption 101 workshop. So you just go to that workshop and you see what does it feel like. And that's what I did with my husband. He wasn't completely on board and I said, just come to this workshop with me. So we went to the workshop and a birth mother came and spoke and she was just really sharp and really cute. And I thought, wow, this could work. Like, she's a really cool person and she's kind of in a pickle. If She can't keep the baby and we're kind of in a pickle because we can't have the baby. <laughs> and you just sort of form these foxhole friendships. I think that's one reason why the open adoption works so well. But yeah, just baby steps and just, okay, so the next step is to have someone come visit your home. Okay. And the next step is to be fingerprinted. Okay, well, then you do that. And you just follow that little trail of crumbs. And before you know it, you'll be in a good place. Awesome. Thank you so much, Meg. You were Aww. a great interview. And <laughs> like I said, you've educated me and I'm sure tons of other people. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, sure. If there's anything <laughs> else you're wondering about, you can feel free to ask me. Open book. Well, thank you, Meg, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been the Inquisitive Introvert Podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. <laughs>